morning and welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And that was Zion Trinity singing opening prayer to the African deity, Eshu Legba, a deity that lets us know that we always have choices. We are never victims. So we should certainly pause and uh, assess our situation and uh, figure out other options. We are so excited today to have... Um, in the studio, um, Dr. Uh, Camelia Moses Okpodu, who is going to be joined by others, uh, members of the Army that um, you probably read about it, that participated in the Slave Rebellion reenactment um, on November 8th through 9th um, in New Orleans, uh, marching along the German coast uh what was formerly the German coast, um, into New Orleans, uh, sort of reenacting the uh, the great uh, slave uprising of 1811, which uh, was the largest in uh, United States history. So, um, yeah, good morning, uh, Camelia. Um, so far, you are the first person to join us, and um, we read a little bit of your bio, and then we could talk about this historic reenactment this historic event and what brought you to it. Um, uh, Dr. Um, Opodu is uh, a professor of biology and dean of arts and sciences at Xavier University in Louisiana, uh, New Orleans, Louisiana at that. She was professor from 2003 to 2018 and former chair of biology 2003 to 2008 at Norfolk, Norfolk uh, State University. And the 2007-2008 American Council of Education Fellow. She was the second director of the DIA Design Intelligence Community Center for Academic Excellence at Norfolk State University. And uh, you can read a whole lot about her (laughs) Uh, on on her wiki. (laughs) So um, there's a whole lot more to your life than what I read. If you want to add to that, which would ter- you know, which would certainly um maybe let our audience know what what drew you to um the slave rebellion reenactment and the day that uh we met, um, I think uh we rode the bus did we ride the bus yes. together? Yeah, we rode the bus together. Yeah, the bus um together. Yeah, and that was um that was on the Thursday. And and it was so cool because uh we left out at ten thirty from where we were staging at the um 
at the high school and um and and we and you actually poured libations which was awesome because everyone all the different um cells didn't necessarily um have libations as well as sage you know sort of clearing the air and purifying the intention which was really cool so anyway <laughs> yeah yeah well good morning sister it's good to join you and I'm I'm glad that I was the first to be in the number. I'm excited about this opportunity to talk with you and your audience about exactly what has been driving me for actually the last about 28 years I've been involved in um, these types of reenactment. Um, I'm my last name uh, is Nigerian, but I'm not Nigerian by birth. I'm Nigerian by choice. I married someone from Nigeria, and uh, I kept my name. Um, so. I am Opodu, uh, although I was born Camellia Grace Moses in Portsmouth, Virginia, uh, and raised between um, North Carolina and South Carolina. So I have a very interesting upbringing in that um, I had the best of all worlds. I had a, a biological parents, and then I had an aunt and uncle who raised me for part part of my life and were very influential and, um, and supportive. I have always loved nature. Um, I've always been a person who be out, an outdoorsman, I guess. Um, so I started out in 4-H learning about plants and things of that. And so when I went to college, I actually stayed in the area of plant physiology and biochemistry. And But I was trying to learn new techniques of how to improve foods and food production. So I actually work in the area of molecular biology. And when I was a young faculty member at Hampton University, um, I got involved with the Emancipation um, Oak Project, which if you, look, if you Google my name, you can find my work, research on that. And that was an ethnobotany-type research that I did trying to show uh, uh, tree paternity, I guess you would say, showing the relationship with some of the other trees in the area um, that, um, that were uh, related to the Emancipation um, Oak. As you know, the Emancipation Proclamation was read in the Hampton Roads area near Hampton University's campus, and some people in the community um, told me about the fact that there were some trees that the city was earmarking to to destroy, and they had um, anecdotal evidence that those trees were related to the Emancipation Oak, and I just kind of showed that it did by using um, DNA mapping, um, DNA testing to show that those trees were most likely related. So I got into the, once I did that, I got into this group called the Contraband um, Historic, Historic Society, which was um, read, held, um, led by my late friend, um, Jerry Hollis, who was a phenomenal person. And I learned about the contraband slaves at Fort Monroe and became a part of that society and participated in several reenactments while I was at Hampton. So when I got to New Orleans and I learned about this by going to a um, conversation with Dred Scott, it just, when he said it was going to do it, first I didn't think I could participate, so I just gave some money to support the effort. And then I found out that I could just participate on one day. And then, so I came out and I was so fortunate to have met you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dred Scott's uh, vision, um, I believe he, um, he was working on this for like at least three years or so. Um, this idea of of staging, you know, restaging this um, this important um, moment in in history um, 
you know, for this country, but also for people of African descent, because there's a not not a lot known about resistance to enslavement. I mean, how how could a people that outnumber their captors just submit, you know, to to bondage, right? And so, Correct. you know, this this story is just amazing because I mean, before it, I hadn't even known there was a German coast. Like so, everyone, literally everyone, all European nations, as well as others in other parts of the world, benefited from the capture of Africans. And what was really horrible about the German coast was that um, they were um, uh, they raised sugarcane and made you know and processed sugar, cane sugar, which was a real grueling and exhaustive process that basically. You know, an uh, an African person might live just like six years, and then they would get yeah, more wow. from another person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like people think, oh, they were so strong. No, African people were just like regular people. What they were doing was just working them to death and then getting some more. And right, people were right. people were being worked to death around like by the time you were thirty, forty, you were an old person. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I read mm-hmm. I read somewhere. I think it might have been might have been a CNN report that he actually Dred Scott's been working on this for six years. I, it was okay. just by happenstance that I met him. So, as the dean of the College of Arts and Science at Xavier, um, our faculty are very much involved in putting things on for the community. So, this was a mm-hmm. community forum of for our, for by the arts department, Dr. Ron Brochet, who um, who had invited him, and. Mm-hmm. Um, so trying to show my support, because my background is biochemistry. I don't want the faculty to feel that I'm being partial to the chemistry and biology departments, because they bring in speakers that I often go here because it's also involved in my research area. But part of, my, but part of me, I also um, have a very much interest in the arts. Um, I, as an undergraduate, I was working on a, a minor in music. I never finished it. Um, but I did take a lot of music theory classes. So the art, artsy part of my being, I wanted to be there because I was really interested in learning more um, uh, about the the reenactment. And so I was blown away. They had another gentleman there who was from the Whitney Plantation um, mm-hmm. who gave yeah, a review uh-huh. of what slavery, was, slavery would have been like, and then it just intrigued me because... Coming from the East Coast, we don't learn. We learn about the Louisiana Purchase, and that's about it. Okay, um, we really don't learn much, much about the middle of the country's um, history. So, unless you do your own, um, you know, research, you don't really get that much. So, I was familiar, but not as familiar um, when I, when I got involved. I started learning more, and um, was really really intrigued by the whole. Just the whole concept, you know. As we were mm-hmm. walking that day, I, I, you know, I, I told you earlier, I don't exercise very. I walk from my office to to Xavier, which is not even a half of a, half of a mile, right? So that's mm-hmm. about all the walking I do. <laughs> I, I used to be an athlete, so I, I still have some of my um, muscle memory, but I really have a knee problem. And that day, my knee didn't bother me at all, and I walked. I think it was. We walked through the cause, um, the spillway. I think that was four miles, and we, um, something like four miles. And I, I didn't feel a, I didn't feel an ache or pain. <laughs> I don't know what was driving me, but I think the libation did help. 
Um, and I was joking and saying, you know, our regiment probably wasn't the only ones that survived because we were the ones who, paid, who honored our ancestors. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to, uh, doing acupuncture um, uh, treatments leading up to uh, my taking the plane from us. Uh, from San Jose, California, to New Orleans, where the new airport was, you know, I was among the first people to fly into the the new airport at 11.30 p.m. uh, that evening, um, the day before, um, I guess that was the Wednesday of the week, and um, and and so I, I really I told I asked my therapist like okay I really I really need to be able to walk so I need you to like help me get my body together <laughs> like you know is, is it possible am I going to be able to walk because I definitely didn't I had a, a plan too but I didn't want to like be standing on the sidelines watching everybody go by but we've been joined by another uh, member of the army <laughs> good morning good morning. Hello? Uh-oh. Hello? Are you another member of the uh, uh, the Army? Or are you just listening? Because I can't hear you. I don't hear anybody either. Yeah, they're, 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 there's somebody in the studio, but they're not speaking. Hmm. Okay. Well, let's keep on talking. <laughs> okay. Alrighty, so um, yeah, I was um, I you know we got this really nice little book and and uh, some of us did. Um, they actually ran out, and uh, and the website is really great because uh, people can actually um, go to the website um, for the slave rebellion reenactment, and you can um, you can look at uh, video clips and you can read and you can see photographs of of the army and. Uh, and so this um, uh, the Slave Rebellion reenactment, um, as you mentioned, was conceived by artist Red Scott, who is in New York now, but he um, he's from Chicago, Illinois, and uh, was developed in collaboration with artist and filmmaker John Acumfra, and um, it was produced by Antenna, a New Orleans-based multi-arts nonprofit organization, along with a host of community partners and advisors across Southeast Louisiana and beyond. And so since you're in, in New Orleans, um, were you able to go to any of the um, uh, the sewing circles and, um, you know, strategy sessions and things like that? I was not um, able to go to any of the sewing circles, which is what I wanted to do. Um, only thing I could do at the time, because as the dean, as you can imagine, my schedule mm-hmm. is um, very hectic. Um, I wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to participate that um, that day in the march um, in the in the war, um, but um, what I did do was I kind of like researched the clothing. You know, they gave me a costume that was, and I don't know if anybody caught it. So I I had a, a Tignon type of head scarf. I didn't have a red. I don't know if you noticed my my head, my hair, my hairdress. And um, so that is not, Tignons are not something that we did, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, or tie-ons are not something that we did on the um, on the East Coast, okay? That's truly a head covering that was influenced by the French and the Creole people here 
Um, also, the African gile. So it probably had something to do with that. So, so um, generally where we were, where I am from, we had uh, more of a kerchief type of a headdress. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know why. Maybe it's the the type of uh, winters we have. But in any of it, the head cover we wear that I wore was more what a Creole woman would have worn. Now you you know what I look like. Um, so you <laughs> okay. know that I'm definitely not uh, going to be considered Creole necessarily. Although I'm learning that word means so many things to so many people. I went to the Baton Rouge Museum and there was an exhibit about what does it mean to be Creole, and I was very I was very uh, surprised by the wide and uh, broad definitions of what it could be. So, in on in honesty, I guess that could be, but um, but I thought it was very interesting that they had to conceal the hair, um, and and any free woman, uh, uh, African descent. Uh, and uh, there was a law what they could, what they must have, they had to do with their hair. And I also mm -hmm. had very, um, they gave me a costume that was uh, intentional to be to to signify my status. And I thought that was funny because they did that because they told me I was the dean, and they wanted me to stand out. <laughs> so oh. I found that if you notice my if you notice my <laughs> skirt, I had uh -huh. a very expensive looking skirt on. Do you call that? Yeah, you, you did. Said it was, yeah, I had a, and it was because they gave it to me intentionally for me to look more of a certain status. Mm, and so, so there was classes on my wrap of my hair was done <laughs> a certain way, which I found oh. kind of interesting that, that they probably mm -hmm. did have people who were free people who joined. And I also, mm -hmm. if you recall, I told you that since I had been doing these reenactments, I had developed a character that I had been researching since 1996. I won't call her mm -hmm. a character. I will call her a person that I have discovered who I, I see as my inner self in some ways and maybe an ancestor of mine. But um, when I started doing these reenactments and, and um, or participating in the uh, slave reenactments in Hampton, I called myself Callie. And um, I described Callie in this case because we want to know why a slave from Hampton Roads from Freedom's Fortress, it was way down in New Orleans, a free woman. And I, and I told that I came down and I heard y'all were having an insurrection and I wanted to be a part of it. So um, just feeling that person as I walked through and imagining what they must have seen. And I looked over when we first started out on our on our right-hand side, the, we could see the Mississippi. I don't know if you recall that. We, we started on the levee. When we got on the yeah. levee, we came down that street, and when we got up on the levee and we walked about uh, a, a quarter of a mile, we saw on our on our um, right hand side uh, the water from Mississippi, which was a, kind of above us. Did you you recall that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Because I said I think I looked at you and said, "Oh my God!" And we saw the swamp, and I was like, "You know, this levee that we're walking on is uh is pretty new." You know. Mm -hmm. In, in, in fact, it was been built up, but how was it when they were there? You know, mm -hmm. I'm sure they had to walk through some part of that had to be swamp. And then the yeah, time of year yeah. we chose to walk, you know. So mm -hmm. I kept thinking about that, how much just wanting to be free had to propel you to walk through that. Mm -hmm. But sometimes right. I guess when you're sick and tired, you're sick and tired. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right, yeah. Um, let's see if, because um, this, this is um, Delon Thomas um, that 
called in and we couldn't hear her. Delon, um, can you hear? Can you can I uh, you say something now? Because I, I couldn't hear you. Delon, I can't hear you still. Press one so I can so you can I can hear you. Gradually, I don't know. Yeah, because I, I I know who this person is, and then um, this might be uh, Fred. Is this you, Fred? It is. Oh, super! Excellent, excellent. Um, you're joining um, uh, Camelia and um, Delon. Hopefully, um, oh, how how come I'm hearing myself? <laughs> no, go ahead. That was me. Okay. <laughs> So Fred uh T McWilliams um uh joining us from the Bay Area, uh as in um maybe Oakland, but definitely um, Oakland. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So so t- introduce yourself to um to our audience and tell us, you know, why you and your wife and a lot of other folks from the San Francisco Bay Area <laughs> met up, you know, in um on the German coast. To march to New Orleans, you know, freedom uh, or death. Freedom you know? or death. Um, freedom or yes. death. <laughs> well, I actually, I actually came to it by accident. Um, I'm a cyclist here in the Bay Area, and uh, one of my um, cycling partners mentioned that he was not going to be available to ride the week, uh, the weekend of. Uh, um, the reenactment mm-hmm. and that he would be in New Orleans. So, you know, I just casually asked, oh, are you just hanging out with uh, his wife, um, you know, just to visit? And he, and he, no, he said, no, I'm participating in this um, slave revolt reenactment. And I, you know, immediately pounced. I said, oh, can anybody do this? And how do you sign up? And and this was probably two weeks before. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the week, I had I had gotten signed up. I um, knew I was going to be in Houston visiting my daughter. So um, I just we just went down a little early. We actually drove over to uh, New Orleans mm-hmm. for a costume fitting um, mm-hmm. and met some of the uh, costume designers and, you know, got laid out. And then um, a week later, we were, we were in New Orleans on the, I think we arrived on the 6th for the rehearsal. Um, mm-hmm. And you know what flowed from there. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And and let me say it was, it was, it was, it, was the most moving thing I have done since I attended the inaugurations of Barack Obama. Um, mm. and that in itself was a very moving event. People were crying, as you imagine, and, and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. And, and, the, and the African uh, American uh, black community was very moved. But the slave reenactment was a thing that really touched your soul. I was sharing with friends when I got back home that during the march when we were up on the levee 
or particularly on that first night when it got really cold, mm-hmm. um, I thought to myself that I am walking with the ancestors. And I can tell you a bunch of people out there would not have been out in that cold, right, except for they felt they were marching with the ancestors, that the, that the enslaved people in the rebellion would not have turned around because of the cold. Um, so we're not going to turn around because of the cold. It was it was a very moving event. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It was, and it was really cold. Um. And um. Yeah. Um. Because that was um that was the day that um. There were you know there were a few uh, skirmishes right. Yeah. 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 And and there was a battle in the field, and it was getting dark. <laughs> and it was getting dark, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. getting very dark. So it was like, you know, it was yeah. like we couldn't hardly see the battle. We knew, you know, we knew from the history that it was going to happen. That's we right. knew what the result was going to be, you know. But it's just so interesting, yeah. you know, that um, these, these African, you know, men and women, um, uh, but mostly men uh, from, from the reading, um, but ours, you know, sort of reflected um, uh, a new history um, insofar as diversity of who was there um, at the mm-hmm. battle. You know, um, just, you know, victory or death, you know, sort of like marching, what, how many miles? Um, uh, what, 26 miles stretch along the Louisiana's historic river road. Uh, That's this, correct. this area once lined with approximately 350 slave labor camps, uh, euphemistically referred to as plantations. And plantations. Again, from our booklet. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I don't know how so many miles they, y'all walk, but I know I walked uh, uh, close to 12 miles from Laplace uh, mm-hmm. to 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 um, to Laplace, and uh, I yeah. had no idea that we had walked that much. Because as you said, it was cold. But I don't know what was where my mind was. I guess I really had like you know, I'm I'm doing this. This is how this on to New Orleans. <laughs> so yeah. right on yeah. to New Orleans. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. and then there were those you know who were mounted you know on horseback and 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 yeah. there were flags and people had all kinds of armament. Like I had a cane knife, which I thought was a machete, but they said, no, this is not a machete. It's like, okay, no problem. It can still cut people's heads <laughs> off. Um, <laughs> and then people had muskets, and some people fired their muskets, and, yeah, in, in the big battle. And, and some, yeah. you know, had the honor of, um, of of chopping off the Well, they thought they killed him, but they didn't kill him. Um, uh, the... Uh, the guy at the Andre plantation um who ended yes. up sounding the alarm for everybody else yeah and um so I don't know um, did either of you participate in any of the skirmishes i i know um Camilla, you and i didn't cuz we were on the 1030 bus yes i did not no i, I did not too okay mhm I, I thought it was yeah. too much for me so i i, I mm-hmm. psychologically you know thinking about this whole this whole thing, I thought having a weapon, and even though it's not a real weapon, um, if you notice, I had a 
a stick that looked like a pitchfork, but really was a piece of wood, and I called it my uh, conjuring stick. You remember that? Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I was conjuring up the the evil spirit. <laughs> but um, I didn't want to have. I have a I have personal feelings about you know guns and things like that, weapons. So I didn't want to do it. So I stayed back. But one of our faculty members said, I tried to reach out to her this morning to let you let her know that you were doing this. She may be teaching class. Um, Dr. Tia Smith, uh, she led a group, and she was one of the people who was in the, the fight reenactment. Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. she's, and looking at her, she's probably probably five foot one, if she's that tall. I'm five four, and I don't think she's <laughs> tall as I am. And she just kind of gave me that either Sojourner Truth, uh, Harriet Tubman kind of, kind of vibe that, you know, I'm going in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We're joined by another person. This person's in New Orleans. They've got the same prefix that you do. Uh, Good morning. Good morning. Oh, it's Babalupe Gray. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you all feeling today? Oh, we're we're good. We're on to New Orleans, freedom or death, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we just had our election results in here in the, in Louisiana, and I was I was sitting. You know, I'm new to the state, so I'm from Virginia. We've lived in Virginia for the last 15 years, but as the as the polls were coming in, I was literally literally thinking, on to New Orleans, freedom or death. <laughs> <laughs> and praying that that people would make the right choice. <laughs> so. Yeah. Join us. Yeah. Join us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, Baba Luther, you actually, um, you know, you met with Dred Scott, um, like really way earlier in the planning, because he, had, Dred Scott, told me in an interview before the march, um, you know. Um, into New Orleans that um, he had had different dates, you know, planned to to stage the the uh, state rebellion reenactment, and um, and I was just reading um, uh, in um, American Uprising um, the untold story of America's largest slave revolt by Daniel uh, Rasmussen um, while I wait for the um, the Thrasher book on to New Orleans to come. I'm still waiting for it to arrive from the community bookstore. Um, that he, um, I was just thinking, like, if it had been in January, because in January when this happened in 1811, um, I think on January 8th was the beginning of it, it was like pouring rain and muddy and cold. And and I'm <laughs> thinking, like, I mean, I can't <laughs> complain, you know, at all. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, um, yeah. The, I'm glad they didn't choose. Uh, I think, you know, over the years they were thinking about doing it in January, and then they saw that, I, I know, they just uh, then they moved into November. So um, mm-hmm. I thought that was a, 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 a logistically it was a good move to do because, like you say, at the beginning of January it's just so cold, and people, they were talking about sleeping outside and things like that. So um, I think that the planning uh, came together pretty well as when they chose the dates of November 8th and 9th. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. So so tell us about, you know, um, your experience because you were sort of like um, 
facilitating, you know, the drumming and the percussion and and then we were chanting and singing and and then you were the MC um uh on the stage uh when we when we got to New Orleans to Congo Square. So tell us about, you know, about your work and and what drew you to this and you know, since you're like one of the inside planners, why don't you tell us how it, you know, sort of came together? Well, um, I don't know if I was an inside planner, but, uh, you know, with maybe two years ago or something, I got, I, you know, I had met Dred, Dred Scott. He had been coming in town to, to start to organize and meet with Leon Waters and, you know, everybody uh, in the community who were working, who, who had dedicated so much time and energy and research to the 1811 slavery vote. So he, uh, he wanted to come to my house, and I think at this point the way we were to invite people was the first thing was that we were supposed to ask someone, what, could they keep a secret? Mm-hmm. And then, because I think this is what they, this is what the slave, uh, up the, in 1811, this is what was done. It was word of mouth between the Africans who were on these plantations, and it was like, we're going to plan a revolt, but can you keep a secret? So then you ask other people, and you have to ask them, will they keep a secret? So that's how the beginning of it was, uh, as far as reaching out to folks. And so I, I told him, uh, yeah, I would like to be involved. He said, why? I said, because I thought it was a crazy idea, and uh, and I thought that uh, me being a drummer, I'm very, I guess I'm very adventurous, and I love history. So I, I told him, yes, I could keep a secret. And so then I proceeded to try to invite other people as well. So that's kind of how it began, and then at some point, as we got closer to the date, then that's when the, the larger ask went out into uh, the general public as far as people joining the revolt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I like the idea of you know the person to person as opposed to like you know sending out this massive email <laughs> or right, exactly. or you know phone tree thing, but it was really. Um, you know how Facebook says, you know, friend and then friend of friend and then friend of friend of friend. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, so then eventually you don't know who, who knows you because you don't know them. Um, this was a real opportunity, um, you know, to sort of look at revolt and rebellion as an intimate act, right? I mean, these people knew each other, you know. Um, you know, they met um, you know, clandestinely, you know, um, because at this particular time of the year, um, you know, people are getting ready to to have parties and stuff, you know. Um, I forgot right. what they called it, but it's preceding Mardi Gras, and then after that, you know, you have Lent and Repentance and yeah, all the other kinds of things. They call it Twelfth Night. Twelfth Night, I think, mm-hmm. uh, that's when the Epiphany, the Feast, the feast of the Epiphany was, and that mm-hmm. happens in January. So that, that was the time that they planned the attack, right? Right. Mhm. Yeah, yeah, when people weren't paying attention. Mhm. Yeah. And then and then the weather um you know, it it really helped, you know, the weather was so um uh so, you know, cold and and it was storming and all that and 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 so as the um you know, as as the men, you know, marched, you know, by these various, you know, farms and larger holdings um, you know, people would join them, <laughs> and others would run, and and you know, until until the white folks, um, oh, you know, you need to, you know, um, 
you know, to evacuate. And it was really interesting sort of reading about some of these white folks, the arrogance of them and 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 the way they looked at African people as as non non human beings, non people. Which sort of fueled their arrogance. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, if you can you can us only imagine how our our ancestors were worked to death for no money at all. And so what did they have to lose? You know, I think that's what the chant really kind of uh, exposes is that what do we have to lose? It's, our, you know, it's either freedom or death. We, we can't just keep. And I think also Des Malone, he was of Haitian descent, you know, and the Haitian mm-hmm. Revolution had already broke out in Haiti. So, I, and I think that uh, he might have been inspired if he knew about that. But, you know, I think sometimes there's a portal in the universe when uh, things happen with, inside of a portal. And I think that was one of those times. I think sometimes people say these portals happen the first 20 years of a century. And oh. the, pace of change, the pace of change accelerates. And so uh, this happened within that portal, and I think we're in the same portal today. I think that's why it resonates so well. Mm. Oh, how interesting. First uh, 20 years of a century. Wow. Have, yeah. you, ever, have, you, ever heard, have you ever heard of that theory? No, but I like it. I'm gonna have to look it up. Yeah, this is that's really nice. And then next year, next year is the twentieth. You know, it's like 2020. So exactly, the, the portal the is, is that, that's in, mm-hmm. Well, well, this this was a portal based on the Roman calendar. So this was a portal based on uh, Europeans' uh, thought. But uh, mm-hmm. world powers knew this, and so world powers uh, b- believe this theory, and so. What the the, the the theory, I mean, the uh, the strategy was whoever could control the planet by the 20th year of a century could dictate the next 80 years. Mm. And so that's why you look in history, you see World War One, Battle of 1812. You go back in European, you know, European history, you see a lot of these struggles because, and we're, we're in that portal now because you see what's happening on the planet Earth now with China, Russia, the United States. But then you look at Africa. Africa right now has over 1.5 billion people. The population will double within 20 years, and the majority of children born on the planet Earth in the 21st century will be born in Africa. So all of these, all of this whole shift is happening. The question is, who will, who will, who, what power can really give vision and a movement for the next 80 years? And I don't think it should be Europe. If Africa has the most population and we have a diaspora. Why should China, Russia, and the United States and other world powers like that, why should they be the ones that control the planet when the majority of the people will be non-white? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think that's, right. that's, I think that's the significance of the time, and we're in that portal right now, and I think that's why that, that uh, the march was so good, but I think that's why we see so many movements around in the African diaspora and on the planet itself is that there's a feeling that something has to change. We just can't allow things to keep going like the, the way they're going. Mm-hmm. Can I say something? This is Camelia, cause, uh, uh, and this is this is my personal opinion, right? Because I was reading up on um, the uh, who started, re- who was the leaders in the revolt, and um, the gentleman, what was it, this long, uh, Charles, or was his uh-huh. first name? I can't remember. Anyway, right. yeah, they were saying that mm-hmm. there was no record uh, that there was no record that he ever lived anywhere other than than um, Louisiana. At the t- mm-hmm. From so 
his parents or whoever his owners may have come from somewhere outside of the United States, but there's no record that he ever um, lived outside of Louisiana. So to me, it says this is something that's in our DNA. There's some of us yeah. just are not going to. We're hotwired to know that enough is enough. Um, and so maybe he heard the stories, but I think that nowadays how we describe something that's in our in our environment that is not necessarily genetically coded, we talk about it being epigenetics, meaning that the environment around us has influenced how our gene expression gets played out. And mm-hmm. memories, um, our DNA has memories. I, I'm, mitochondria, when I do the DNA, I was telling you earlier, like I was doing the test on the trees, doing the relatedness, the phylogenetic relatedness and the epi and the genetic relatedness of those trees to the emancipation. What I was looking at was the mitochondrial DNA and the chloroplast DNA in these, from these trees and seeing how they were inherited. The same way with us. You know, our, our, we have memory. And, and I, I really just think that, you know, some of us um, are influenced by the environment such that we don't mind, you know, stepping forward and saying enough is enough. So it's... I, I, and I think that we still have, you know, Martins and Malcolms and others uh, around us right now. The environment is going going to get sick and tired, and, and Fannie Lou's, and we're going to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And those of us who have the fortitude will stand for it and say we're not going to go there. So, so I just like to think that in some ways it's inherited in a way that the environment makes it come out and be expressed. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you're exactly. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right about that. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. I was um reading reading from our our book um you know that we like the little um I don't know they called it a red book, you know, from Chamber Mile. <laughs> so we have a we have a blue book. <laughs> and um yeah, and on on page 24 it talks about, you know, sort of continuing what you said about Luther about the recruitment process. And and this is what happened to you too, Fred, because your friend told you about this. So it was definitely, you know, word of mouth. It says, imagine being on a plantation in 1810 and wanted to get free, and you may not, you may have heard rumors of an uprising, but you also know that some of your fellow enslaved people might not share your courage or conviction. While working alongside recently arrived slaves, you would not have said you were organizing the uprising, but you might have kept an ear out for those who spoke of running away in hushed tones, individuals who might just join your plan. And uh, and then I just wanted to call the names of a few of of the leaders, uh, Charles Dessalons, which whom we've already mentioned, Gilbert, uh, Kwamina, and I and I read that his name was actually probably uh, Kwabana, um, you know, from the Akan, and Atine, uh, Jessamine, and Marie Law, and and so many others, and um, so I want to talk a little bit more about you know about because I think um, Baba Luther, you might have been at a skirmish because none of us were, and I wonder if you could talk about that, and and the whole idea of the drumming because the drums were a part and the flags were a part of the original uh, march to New Orleans for freedom or death. You mean was I there at the beginning of the of when we started on the Friday? You mean? 
Uh, yeah. Were you at any? Did you were you at any of the skirmishes? Um, did you see any of yeah. the uh, the plantation owners killed or injured? Yeah, yeah. I was there in the beginning. I think <clears throat> that's when we were in St. John Parish. We went to the, I think the Andrew Plantation, mm-hmm. and we uh, we walked from a certain point to the Andrew Plantation, and then uh, we attacked uh, everyone in the, in the uh, Army of the Enslaved, we, we ran at the plantation and we got to the road of it. And we were instructed to go around to the back of the house. So some Africans went through the house. We came around to the back of the house. And, uh, so, and then so those who were who were appointed to go through the house came out and said, I think they killed someone. And then they said uh, the owner had left and they had took the, they, we, we had taken the plantation. Everybody cheered. So that was like the first, that was the first act of uh, the whole thing. And then from there we we continued through, you know, that neighborhood. And um, what was really a beautiful moment was this was like little little streets. It wasn't like, you know, urban streets. It was maybe like just normal neighborhood kind of streets. We passed a school. And so mm-hmm. it was an elementary school. All uh, Majority, of, all I saw were black kids. And so the school had brought all the kids, all the children to the fence as we walked by with 200, 300 mm-hmm. people. And I thought that was a great moment as well for them to witness, you know, to, for the teachers to have an opportunity to go back in class and, you know, share the history of what happened in their own community. So you're right about how these things can spread because, you know, when you're young and you see these things, sometimes they, they make an impression on you later in life and they can influence, uh, you, you know, what you want to be in life and how, how hard you want to work to be uh, to go at it. And I think on, on the, one, of my, one of the funniest moments for me was on day two, I think we were in St. Charles Parish. And I think, you know, in St. John Parish, the, the, the parish president is an African-American woman. St. Charles Parish was more conservative, and they had a little more pushback as far as access to do things in St. Charles Parish. So on that Saturday morning, you were with us probably by then, Juan, we were walking through a neighborhood, mm-hmm. and there were, like, families. It was a white neighborhood, like middle class, maybe. It wasn't, it wasn't affluent, but it, had, it was homeowners. It was single homes. And so mm-hmm. people, some folks were on the grass. They were welcoming us and waving. And, you know, we had the reporters with us asking questions and some of the of our folks talking to the people and handing out information what this was about. And the funniest thing to me was this little boy. He was like maybe three years old, little white boy. He was had no shirt on. He was on his front porch. He just waved. Like it was a parade for him, you know. He's waving. The door to his house is open. And then you hear his dad come out of the, from the back of the house with no shirt on, he had this really kind of country accent. He said, boy, get your ass in the house. He grabbed that little boy, threw him in the house, and slammed the door. And, man, <laughs> those of us who were passing the house at that moment, we just busted out laughing because it was like it showed the innocence of young people, and it shows mm-hmm. the racism of their parents. You know what I'm saying? Right, so I think yeah. The whole march was little moments like that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things, yeah. I didn't get to see very many people. I saw a few children. Actually, I remember the first, only participated day one. And I remember a father and a son, On um, we passed by a certain area, and it looked as if he came out, and they came up to us, and they were taking pictures. It was, a, it was an African-American man and his son. And first mm-hmm. I thought about two things. You know, when children, we when we learn about slavery in school, if we learn about slavery in school, we get some misinformation. I know that I remember challenging um, the Virginia school system when my oldest daughter, who's now 33, was in like the fourth grade because of some misinformation and inaccuracies they had in their textbook that 
For example, I remember distinctly having to go to the school and explain to the teacher that Africa is a continent and not a, uh, not a country, and that uh, slavery slaves in Virginia in particular were not um, there by choice. It was not like something they decided to do and they can come and go. So it was just like the, the way they presented slavery. And then they also did a lot of things in the school that I thought were to not to say that you are I often say to students, think about this is that they survived because we knew we were coming. That was hard conditions in which um, you talked about before, Wanda, that that this was not a picnic for us and or going out, you know, uh, gingerly. That this was real hard work and people were not. We got sick and we died just like everyone else who was in those particular areas. But I think what this does for me, and when I saw those kids looking at us, that we showed a, a, an example of self-efficacy where we got out and we decided and we reminded them that we were not dorsal people who were sitting in and that there were people among us and that they have that in their background who decided that they were going to stand up for their own freedom. And so that mm -hmm. to me is powerful when young people can see us in our own spaces. Representation is important. It's not just equity, but being re represented in a way so you can see yourself so that you could have self-efficacy. So when the children, I was looking through the photos and I saw those little kids standing on the fence looking at y'all, I thought hopefully somebody, it transferred to them as these were, this this was my ancestry and people fought so that I could have free, a free free life. So I, I, I to me, that's very powerful. As an educator here at Xavier, that's one of the things I think about. As the dean of the college, I'm the dean for the, for the College of Arts and Sciences that when people see me, they see representation, and they also hopefully see that they can also be in this area and that they also can fight for what is just and humane. So I thought it was one of the most powerful pictures that I saw was the kids standing on the gates looking at y'all. And I wish that day mm -hmm. I could have been there. But I, um, I'm thankful that you mentioned it because it, it is a very, it's a very powerful image. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I remember... Um, Twice uh, I saw um, African Americans' father with his sons, you know, pull over on the side of the road, and 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 they would watch us, you know, procession by, you know, and and they were like the, the folks that were mounted, they were like closer to the road than we were. We were up higher on the levee, and and I just thought that was really great because there were long long stretches where we didn't see anything but factories, and I was just wondering. Um, uh, if you know, um, if anyone wants to speak to the landscape, how it's changed. You know, there. You know, the farms are gone. The plantations, not all of them, but you know, some of the the bigger, more historic ones are still there. But there are a lot of petrochemical plants, like all along, spewing this horrible-looking noxic gases, you know, um, to the left as we're marching, and then to the right, you know, we had, we saw like the levee, and we saw the Mississippi further out, um, and yeah, it was just, it was just kind of, kind of scary just thinking about, you know, the, the quality of life of the people that live there in this particular area um, now on River Road. Wanda, this, this is Fred. Uh-huh. So one of the things that um, what you just mentioned actually provoked a conversation when we um, had a lunch stop on, on top of the levee. Mm -hmm. And I shared with people how back here in, um, in California, if you go over to the city of Richmond, 
right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so on the lower end of Richmond, it runs right up against the uh, gas refineries um, that they have over there in um, in the in, over by Point Richmond, and mm-hmm. then the one that's over right underneath the Cardenas Bridge, and there's there's for years there has been an ongoing battle. Um, it with it that the community has had with those refineries because, you know, people in that area, which are mostly African-American, experience higher levels of cancer, higher levels of um, asthma. And while they, the companies, of course, deny that there's any connection, um, um, they're, the people in the community are real clear for them that they don't suffer like the people who live just a few miles uh, east and north of those refineries. So it's, it's, a it's a continuance of the connection of the treatment of black people in this country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah I was hoping that um, Baba Luther's friend, um, Pat, would be able to join us because um, he has led – um, well, he has an organization that addresses this um, environmental pollution, and I think they shut down one of these plants. But you know, you, we see how many more there are to go um, because they were everywhere. As we're walking to the left, that's what was over there. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think they call it that. Air, they call that area Cancer Alley, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. of all the uh, pollutants uh, uh, <clears throat> that those plants uh, produce, like you, you can just, I think you can see over like hundreds of years how the plant, the, the plantations of uh, the 17 and 1800s has now, uh, you know, transferred to these uh, huge plants, you know, and, and, and you know, and around the river as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I, you know, I think that this, those of us who were in, in the march. To get a chance to w- walk those steps, you know, and was just, I think, something all of us will never forget. And I, I know it was some when we got back, um, maybe that Monday after everything, I started hearing the feedback from people who didn't go. And the, oh. there, was some, there was there was some conversations in the in, in the ones about why who was dread? He's not from here. He got a million dollars. How come we don't? How come you know? How come this money wasn't spent locally in some other kind of way? Uh, you know, so was all that 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 controversy, and I I thought that that was really uh, interesting. And then I, I really thought about it a little deeper, and I said, well, I think that that was this is good. It was a healthy it's healthy because just think about it. We had done, did this on November eighth and ninth, and on Monday. You know, it was, it was people pushing back on this even before the march. But then after the march, the, the four or five hundred of us who were in it, we 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 went through something. We felt a certain kind of way. We were there. You know, we we were breathing, walking, seeing, hearing, being in a community. And then I so I said, well, I said this this conversation, this this controversy is good because what were we talking about the week before? As a community, we weren't talking about this issue or any of these issues. We were just going through our regular little lives, you know, wanting to know what the saints are going to do or something like that. So I think that uh, Dred, he's a, he's an antagonist in terms of his art. He's he's 
he's he's done these things where he he antagonizes or he really pushes a, a he pushes a reaction from people who are on either side of it. And then I still see. I mean, this weekend we had the Congo Square Festival in, in Congo in, uh, in Congo Square with the Treme Gumbo Festival, um, and it was produced by the Jazz and Heritage Foundation. And I'm still running the folks who we were all out there together for the march, you know. And so nice. it's like we we have a we have a we have a a thing with us. We're like really brothers and sisters in a struggle, you know. And I think and and so I think that that's why I thought it was important for us on the day that morning when you gave the libation that morning uh, before we started out on that Sunday, that we also uh, share with everybody in the march about what is next, you know, as we walk these miles mm-hmm. that day. And when we got to Congo Square that afternoon, the question came up again, what's next? And so I think it's important in New Orleans, and I'm sure around uh, around as the African diaspora is that, is that uh, the controversy in New Orleans is that sometimes, you know, there's such a lack of resources for art and creative and cultural things that we almost, we almost like crabs in the barrels competing over these things, you know. And so, but if the question is what's next, and if, and if I can, you know, speak to, ask you, Wanda, what's next, and then, you know, and then we we ask each other what's next, and then we share that with each other and say, well, I'm going to support you on your what's next, and this is what I'm going to do next, and I'm going to want you to support me. I think that gets us out of this thing where we, like, if it ain't, if it ain't something I'm doing, then I ain't supporting it. And I think mm-hmm. I think now we have, like, four or 500 people who can understand what the power of unity is, you know. And I, I know there was one young man, he was working the stage at the festival this weekend, and uh, it was like my, him, myself, and another uh, a good friend of mine, and we were talking about the, the 1811 slavery vote reenactment. And then it was it was also election day, you know, Saturday. So, so the young man was saying, you know, we have to learn how to do more things together. You know, like we need to like spend our money yeah. together. And so I said, I had just came from voting, so I had a little voting sticker. I said, well, are you voting today? He said, no, I don't vote. I don't believe in vote. I said, well, brother. You just said we should all do things together. You know what I'm saying? So if, if if black folks need to vote today, you need to go vote. You know what I'm saying? And that's how we have we have to change how we. I'm gonna stay in my lane. I'm not gonna vote or whatever it is. We have to say, okay, well, I might not be. I'm, I don't really see the function of voting. But then, as we saw the election reviews uh, results come in Saturday night, what was interesting was uh, Responsi was Responsi was winning the whole day. Until New Orleans vote came in, you know what I'm saying? And as soon mm-hmm. as that New Orleans vote came in, about ten o'clock, it shifted over like five thousand, ten thousand, like twenty thousand more people voted for for mm-hmm. you know John Bell and you know to be to to get a second term. And that's the power of our people. That was a New Orleans vote coming in. Mm-hmm. And I think yep. these these Amen, are examples. Brother. These are examples I, I, of how we came to we come together on. Let me come together with you. And then you come together with me. We shouldn't just say, just come together with me, but I ain't going to come together with you. You know, I think that's mm-hmm. the one thing that we can start coming out of New Orleans and have this spread around the diaspora. This would be something that would be, you know, just how jazz came out of New Orleans 100 years ago. This could be something very pivotal for our future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wanda, before, before you respond, because I'm going to have to get off soon. This is Camelia. I just want to say okay. uh, thank you for that um, I, I don't know who was speaking, but I want to thank you for that. Yeah, I'm that's, at Baba Luther. So Baba Luther. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you want to continue, we, we can definitely continue to working together. 
one way that I thought very, very succinctly that we can all contribute is to making sure that our community knows the value of performance um, and the power that performance um, carries. As, as a biochemist, um, I think that, you know, I came because I understand the power of imagery and the power of seeing your others seeing what uh, us in action and the few of us who decided I didn't go out there for the money in fact I thought it was funny that I gave money and then they told me they were going to pay me I said well I could have just kept my money you know I, I, I it, you know but I gave to them so that they would be able to do um, I gave my share what I could it wasn't a lot of money but I thought it was important to me um, one of the things that I suffer with every day as I look here at Xavier uh, we are private but we have Dillard as well, and I'm sure that they would tell you the same thing. The, 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 the way for upward mobility for our people is still through education. And I get very worried when, when, we tell, when the populace is telling them otherwise, because in order for a capitalism, capitalist society to exist in the way that we have it right now, first of all, it's not sustainable. So the only way it can be sustained is that you create an underclass. So the only way to create an underclass is for people not to get educated, because then you have very few options. And so one way that I see is when we have events here, I'm always um, uh, mindful that we don't reach out. We're trying to do more in our college to include you, to include the public, but also to have things that the, and the community that the community are interested in. If there's someone who wants to write an NEA grant to get the money like um, Dred Scott got to do something, then we'll we can offer workshops here. Uh, around the, um, the humanities and, and, and performance so that we can get the money so that we can have uh, more people participate in that space. Um, I'm, as the dean, I'm willing to say that I would help help in that effort here at Xavier. Um, also, to, uh, to, to support any activity, we don't have a community. I don't, I'm new, so I don't, maybe it, it does exist, but I look to find, like, is there one place I can find what's going on in, in the community other than Facebook? Um, I need some way of us having a newspaper presence, and maybe there is one, and you guys can inform me, where I know what's going on in the community so I can support efforts. The only way I found out is through the church, um, and I found out through um, informal networks, through Facebook. But we need a more formalized way, and maybe there it already exists, um, for us to know what's going on, what each other's projects are. We we have well, a I would like that yeah, Camilla, I would suggest that, like, for instance, not being in New Orleans, I always think about Baba Luther, that if something's going on, he knows it, and he's a part of Ashe um, Cultural Arts Center. And so Ashe, I think, is like, wouldn't you say, uh, Baba Luther, that if it's happening, you know, in New Orleans and it's of some kind of import, um, that Ashe is a good place to, to look for information? Yeah, I think Ashe is one of them. The other one is, a, is the Community Book Center on Bayou Road. Right, like you, you, right. also, you also mentioned there are there are a few uh, there are a number of uh, African American uh, newspapers in New Orleans as well. But you make a great point of how how do we disseminate this information to each other, and especially in this information age. So you, you make a great point, and I think I really have seen Xavier really go in a very beautiful direction over you know with you arriving and things that are happening with that new, that great exhibit that I, Xavier right now called Working the Spirit that's in the administration building. I think Xavier is really doing great work, and uh, the more we can uh, communicate with each other and keep each other abreast of what's going on, you are right, so right how important that is. And education is pivotal because 
how, you know, we're in, a, we're in a city right now where we have a majority of black population, but, the, the you know, housing is going up. Our, our, you know, people's uh, job wages are not going up. So but we, we have a cultural community here. And they said that, you know, New Orleans has like a, a, over one or $2 billion economic uh, impact as far as art and culture. But it doesn't, it doesn't cross Rampart Street. It stays downtown. You know what I'm saying? But we're the black folks are the creators of this culture. So you're right. We really have to really come together and, and, and take a, have our culture influence what we have, need to know but also influence the, uh, the, the, the amount of economics that we can, that we can bring it and infuse into our neighborhoods, into our city. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Dean, for your work, Xavier. Thank you so much. I just found the page, and I'm actually filling out to become a member of the, of the community so I can get on the mailing list for the uh, cultural center. So Thank you're welcome. You. And, and <laughs> so um, I'm going to have to sign off. I will be there with your next show, Wanda. Thank you for bringing us okay. together. And, um, oh, you're welcome. I guess we can share. I think everybody has my email on the uh, list that Wanda sent out. But um, I have Xavier, so you can always find me. And I want, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave by saying, you know, may the ancestors be with us and guide us, and, and may God continue to show his grace on us. And until we talk again, Ashe? Ashe. Ashe. <laughs> yes. Um, I wanted I wanted to talk a little bit about about Congo Square. Um, you know, once we 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 got to New Orleans, you know, the army got to New Orleans, and it was just like such a big celebration before we even, you know, um, started on that procession. Where, yeah, we just like you know, it was just like ah, oh, we're here, we made it. Oh my God! It was like you know, twenty eight miles yeah. later. Oh, my feet are killing me, but we're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was um, so we had all these groups of people just celebrating like, like there was a group of folks you know around the drummers and then there was another group you know just singing Ashe 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 Liberté it was just like so awesome and people who were like yeah. watching didn't really understand because they hadn't been on the road you know right, marching right. you know for freedom and justice for our people for the ancestors, you know, sort of like we we made it, you know. It might it might be like you know hundreds a hundred so years later, but ancestors, we we did make it. You're right. I, that, that was like I think uh, Dred Scott, you know, he had approached the Congo Square Preservation Society about organizing the uh, the finale uh, celebration in Congo Square, and so mm-hmm. that was our goal was to uh, bring all the elements of Congo Square out there that day. I think maybe it was like six weeks before that uh, he and his team came uh, were in town, and uh, we had a chance to meet John Comfra, you know, the, the filmmaker from the, from uh, from Ghana who lives in uh, London. And so mm-hmm. he came out on a Sunday. We we were we were we were uh, celebrating Haiti and New Orleans with dance. Like we had, it was an African, it was a Haitian dance company of men dancing with the Silhouette mm-hmm. Dance Company in New Orleans, and it was so John Comfra said, "I want to see just this, just what you do." Like we had like thirty drummers. Dancing. He said, I want this to happen when we come back. So that gave mm-hmm. us the, the vision to say, when we come through that gate, we want to be, we want to be, you know, welcomed by the healers. We want the a Google ancestral processional society to greet us. We want the Indians to be there. We want the brass band. We want the drummers. We want the dancers. We want every aspect of New Orleans culture to be present, all at the same mm-hmm. time and almost in, uh, in in a very chaotic manner, just like. Just like you would just come on Orleans and Claiborne on Mardi Gras Day or something, you know. So mm-hmm. I think you're right. And then 
the, the feeling like you said, we, we had Wanda, like when we walked from the U.S. Mint, when we overtook the U.S. Mint, and we mm-hmm. walked through that French court, I mean, our energy was like a thousand percent. We had just been practicing for two days on how to march, mm-hmm. you know? And we, we came with so much power through that. And then we had the sirens in the background from the ambulance or the police car. And mm-hmm. we turned on to Rampart Street, and I saw all these people there blocked off the street in both directions. When we came through that gate, man, it was like, it was, I've never experienced that in Congo Square before. And I, I think that the 1,000 people who were there, and then when the names were read off of 1811, yeah. It was a powerful moment, you know, very powerful. And it really brought us together as a community. And, and so I think uh, that was another takeaway that I just thought, if we had never done this, this would never, we would never have come together as a community like we did on, on, the, on November 9th. It was, just, it was just, we couldn't have planned it any better. And I think Dredd was so taken away, he didn't, he didn't even talk. He, he was... And I think the, the plan is they said, Luther, that was genius. What, you, what y'all did was just genius. I said, well, this is New Orleans. This is what we do. But like mm-hmm. you said, when we all come together and put it together, that's like we're exponentially multiplying the, uh, the effect and the power of these things. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Yeah, Fred, you were on stage, I think, um, when we were, uh, we were, you know, with uh, saying their names. I think you, you were one of the people on stage that called out a name of one of the ancestors, right? Well, I was fortunate enough. I was fortunate enough to to call out the name Ruben um, a number Ruben, of times, okay. and, and yeah, mm-hmm. and that was that was just a, a blessing not only for the event but for me personally. So. Mhm. Uh, yeah. How, how, tell, the, tell us how you how it felt. Yeah. Mhm. You know, it it was really it was almost. A, a spiritual experience. Um, um, and, and, you know, I've never felt so much energy in a call and response um, action like like that I experienced on that stage. It was, it, it, it's, it's almost like I was outside myself experiencing it and just Feeling the energy from the from the from the from the crowd from the from the I should say the audience from the 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 drummers on the stage um, and I I even afterwards got a chance to just hug Dread and and thank him for allowing me to be able to do that. Mhm. Nice. Yeah. 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 It was really beautiful, you know, with um, Delphio Marcellus his um ensemble and then the sister what was the sister's name who was um who sang and sort of did the did the refrain like you know say their names say their names cuz we yeah. were, we would also say their names in the audience uh, yeah you know that's that's Lynn Whitfield's daughter you know the actress Lynn Whitfield that's her daughter oh, who, sang, uh-huh. who sang that song her name escapes okay. me right now but uh she came in town from Atlanta to make that happen okay mm. okay Nice, nice. Yeah, that was really, really great. And um and then and then um you know, Faya Ya, that was awesome. You know, because they 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 sang about the ancestors. That was really beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I'm going to have to 
You so got to go, Fred. Like they were beautiful in that purple, too. That was a beautiful mm-hmm. color that they had. Yeah. Yeah, but I want to, I do, but before I go, I want to ask Father Luther, I, there was a conversation, a low-level conversation that I heard where um, this might be an annual um, thing in some way, shape, or form. Do you know anything about that? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I, I heard, I think the same way, I think, I, yeah, I heard it myself, like, we should do this every year. So <laughs> I think I, I think Grant Scott would like to say, well, I don't know about that. Uh, maybe, yeah, but like you said, I think, I think that was so impactful. You're right, that maybe we should take that weekend every year. And if, if nothing else, if we just came to Congo Square, and brought it all together. I don't. I don't know. You know. I don't know the logistics of trying to do the whole march, but uh, right. that would be something, that would be something to do annually, so that you know you're right that we could continue to uh, energize and then continue to inform people. You know, to to, to keep it going. You know. Yeah. Uh, so I, yeah. I'd have to check in with Dred and see. Uh, but I, I think at this point, I think one of those hush 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 harbor meetings. You know, we had the uh, uh, Antenna had these Tuesday meetings where people would come together, like secret meetings, and we would talk about what was coming up for the reenactment. And so I think one of the ones that came up was uh, we we raised the question. To, I raised the question to Dred. Well, okay, when we walked the two days and we come in Congo Square and we've done everything, what's next? So that that's where that question came up. And so he said he said to us, well, that's for your community to decide what's next because he says because I live in New York. So I think he's passing the torch to us to see what we will do to uh, make this an annual thing. So I think you you make a great point, and maybe that would be something to, for us to to see how maybe you know we we've, we've had these uh, email uh, string string we have a string of emails for at least three hundred of us who've been in the reenactment. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can raise that up in one of those emails and see about how we can stay together to maybe. To make this something annual, at least commemorate what we did, what we achieved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I like to do though is, um, I like to do it. You know, the actual dates, even if it's raining, it doesn't matter. Not, not the procession, but like you said, you know, just gather and call their names and 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 maybe talk about, you know, how we can support each other on the what's next part. <laughs> like, what are you up to now? You know. And yeah. um, I, because I, I, I know here in the Bay, on on um, on January eighth and ninth, I want to see about us getting together, you know, and and just sort of remembering those ancestors that you know had this vision, you know, for freedom or death, you know, like it was that important. Like I'm not going to live a slave as a slave enslaved person anymore, you know. I'm, you know, yeah. it's it's just. Yeah, I'm gonna, you know, I'll take my liberty, or you gonna have, you gonna have to kill me. And, yeah, and as exactly. I was marching, I'm like with my with my cane knife, I was like, don't get too close <laughs> to me, I'm gonna chop your head off. I'm like, I was like fear, I was so angry. Like as I was marching into the woods, I'm like, I'm thinking about all the people that had died behind me, you know, like that had, you know, yeah. they just couldn't make it, they were killed, their heads were chopped off, and I'm like, don't even come close to me. I'm going to chop your head off. <laughs> you know, and I was like smiling at the African people saying, come on, join us. 
and I was told later that the police wouldn't let them join us because um, uh, one, one person actually wanted to, and, and they couldn't. I thought they really could join us, but I guess they couldn't join us. It was more like a symbolic join us. Um, but, yeah, I was, like, really angry. And then And then as I was able to sort of, like, bathe in the the drumming you know and 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 just sort of like celebrate with my folks you know the anger kind of dissipated and then when these young young children because everybody had to be 18 to participate wanted to take pictures with me and queen i'm like whoa i felt like harriet right (laughs) yeah that was really beautiful that they wanted to pose with us in a photo i'm like oh that's nice yeah, yeah, I saw the photo, I saw the photograph of you, Wanda. You, you look pretty fierce with that cane knife too. You had a look on your face like, oh, <laughs> look like you like you were in a, you were in some kind of trance or something. Mhm. Yeah. And you had, yeah, you had the two sisters with you. One of them had a rifle, the other one had a had a something else. Like y'all were y'all were weaponed up too. Y'all were y'all. Were, <laughs> you know, what? All, all y'all were y'all were all locked and loaded, man. It was it was beautiful. It was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Right. Well, um, any any um, other thoughts? Um, this has been a really wonderful conversation, and uh, want to let folks know we're continuing it tomorrow at twelve thirty Pacific time. If you want to tune in, um, and then we're gonna have a. Our final um, scheduled conversation um, next Wednesday, uh, same time, eight o'clock Pacific time. Okay. Thank you for invite, inviting uh, inviting me to be part of the conversation. Thank you so much, Wanda. Keep up the great work. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, why don't you give the website for Ashe uh, Baba Luther so people can, you know, stay um, in touch with with you and and what what you all are doing there with Miss B Bell? Yes, the Ashe uh, the website for Ashe is Ashe A S H E C A C dot org Ashe C A C dot org, and that's the website uh, to, to get on there, find out about membership and all of those things. We're planning a. a, a like yeah, we have we're planning a, 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 a I think it's going to be in de- early December a, a really celebration for Carol B. Bell her retiring and handing the reins of Ashe with oh. Sali Ecclesiastes the first of the year. So we're planning mm-hmm. those things in December. So all that'll be on the website. And also I want to invite everybody out to come to Ashe this Saturday, this Saturday, November twenty twenty uh, third, where we're having the thirtieth anniversary of the Congo Square Preservation Society. And so we're we're going to be there in our shade from six to ten, and it's going to be an amazing night uh, of uh, celebrating thirty years of what we've been doing in Congo Square. And it's, it's going to include uh, uh, world music DJs. We've got drumming going on. We've got uh, uh, Professor Chris Cottrell from Southern University in Baton Rouge, who's going to be talking about uh, the importance of geography and politics. And how mm-hmm. that has influenced the African diaspora and even influences New Orleans today as far as gentrification and things like that. And we also have Professor Daoud Watts from Dillard University. He, he teaches African uh, studies, and he's going to be talking about. He's going to be. He's doing research on how the, the migration of Africans during the uh, transatlantic and the domestic slave trade. How many people in the South just went maroon? They walked off. So. Mm-hmm. So these are going to be two really short, great uh, presentations, and we're just going to celebrate the accomplishments. You know, over 30 years, we've gotten Congress Square on the National Register of Historic Places. 
We put up this uh, the Congo Square historic marker out there. We uh, we have living class for field trips for children, and uh, we probably reached over two hundred fifty uh, between two hundred fifty to five hundred thousand people that have drummed with us out there over the last thirty years. So we're out there every Sunday in Congo Square from three to six. We'll be there this Sunday as well. So that's that's what's going on on, on my end. Yeah, and then I wanted to know, like for instance, on November tenth. Uh, in Congo Square, you know, from 3 to 6, um, what happened? Was it anything like, I mean, I'm sure it was special because it was the day after, you know, the end of the march to New Orleans. Oh, yeah. We had, we had a good time. It was like, it was maybe 30, 40, 50 people, you know, kind of our usual Sunday. You know, I think it was a Saints game going on that day because the Saints played Atlanta. But, uh, those of us who were drumming, who, who the drummers who were drummed on Saturday, we were like the drumming was really amazing. We were doing things, we were dancing, we were doing things that we normally don't do out there. I think we was we, the spirit of the freedom that was in Congo Square was still there, and I think that's the beauty of that space. It's, it really is sacred ground. So mm-hmm. the things that we that we go there and we pray to our, you know pray homage to our ancestors and we we pray our intentions in a place like Congo Square. It's like going to church. It is church, and so, uh, so the energy from the day before was still there in Congo Square, and we really celebrated very, very brilliantly, as we always do. But like you know, the the size of the, the crowds don't really matter; just the fact mm-hmm. that uh, we do it continually, carrying on the traditions of our ancestors, both African and of uh, uh, First Nations people as well. Mhm. Right. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. And Fred, closing thoughts. I just really appreciate the, the one the, the how fortunate I was to be having a conversation with someone who who which led me to ultimately be in New Orleans and and to have the opportunity to meet so many um, activists um, because that's what all the participants were whether they knew it or not you were an activist. And um, mm-hmm. some of the some of the connections um, that I've made, uh, I have no doubt, will um, lead to even a greater activism on my part and their part as well. And and okay. thank you, Wanda, for introducing me to your uh, pod, to, I guess this is your your radio your internet radio show, which I didn't know you even had. <laughs> yes. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. Cool. Well. Um, we uh, will continue our our connection and uh, and yeah, look forward to uh, continued conversations. And Fred, do you um, do you have a website or something you want to give out so people who want to you know um, see what you're up to can can follow you? I do not, but you know anybody can reach out to me uh, at my email address ftm third at aol dot com. Okay, cool. And you mentioned that you're a cyclist, um, but that was all you told us about yourself. Um, do you want to say a little bit more about what you're up to, what you do? Well, um, I, I, I participate. In, I'm, I'm very much interested in, in reversing and correcting the whole mass incarceration um, situation that has gone on for well, I've been guess the last 30 years now. 
And um, as you know, Wanda, I, I was a former board member for CCWP, uh, um, which is um, um, a support group for um, incarcerated women and, and, and with children. Um, and I'm also connecting with a group that does a similar work um, in Houston um, and also starting to work with a group in, in um, uh, Houston that supports um, activism uh, around the whole um, um, uh, immigrant issue, uh, which you know is, is, is just devastating the um, um, immigrant community in that part of the country. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. California Coalition for Women Prisoners is is where we met yeah. uh, many years ago. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. right. On the board. That's yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Super. Well. Um. Well. Thank you both for um for joining us uh, to talk about um you know the slave rebellion reenactment and um wow yeah um and and this this you know sort of uh, life-changing experience, you know, really happy that, you know, Dred Scott pursued this vision and really looking forward to seeing how this rolls out, you know, cinematically. Um, but yeah. definitely, um, you know, we have these, forge these, these connections, you know, because if, if anyone was there, then, you know, we are changed <laughs> because of this experience uh, in, in a good way. Mm-hmm. Well, thank yeah. you, thank you, Wanda. Thank you, brother Fred. Thank y'all thank so you. much. Thank you. Welcome. All yeah. right, you have a good day, both of you. And I'm gonna okay. conclude right. with an interview I had with Dred Scott. <laughs> oh, good. All right, thank you. All right, bye bye. All right, you welcome. Okay, peace and blessings. So I had an interview with uh, Dred Scott. Um, <laughs> Let's see, um, the week before uh, the Slave Rebellion reenactment. And um, and so I'm going to rebroadcast that interview um, with him. Uh, Yeah, Dred Scott, uh, um, you know, his name sort of, it's sort of, what resonates with his name is the the historic Dred Scott and the Dred Scott decision that... um, that said that African Americans were not and could never be citizens of the United States. Um, and the Missouri Compromise, 1820, which had declared free all territories west of Missouri and north of latitude uh, 3630, was unconstitutional. And this decision added fuel to the sectional controversy and pushed the country closer to civil war. And so, um, so Dred Scott, the artist, um, he uh in his work um sort of pushes um this conversation around freedom and um and so we had we had a really really great conversation and so uh, I'm going to play it now and hopefully we'll have another conversation which will sort of reflect um his reflections on um the historic slave rebellion reenactment Oh, hi. How are you? Hi. I'm well. How about you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I was just getting ready to text you. Are you ready? <laughs> I is ready. Super, is super. for you? Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, um, 
I just noticed, um, are you calling in to talk about the Slave Rebellion reenactment? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, who am I speaking to? This is Nicole Eugene. Sorry. Oh, Nicole. Oh, okay. Yeah, because, um, wow, you missed everybody. Um, but we could talk. <laughs> I, oh, sorry. I... Yeah, was, yeah, because um, yeah, with a specific time, um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah and I, I looked yeah. it up, and it said eleven thirty is nine thirty specific time, and no, we started at eight o'clock. We started at eight. Oh, you're on. I see. Yeah. So. so. So do you, do you want to do you want to join one of the other conversations so that you could have more more people to talk to or we could talk there is no problem um uh you know you could join the conversation tomorrow or the one next next Wednesday at eight o'clock tomorrow's at twelve thirty p.m. Pacific time but if this is the best time for you then then we could talk um I just um you know um we had mm-hmm. like. Three other, yeah. three other people in the studio, <laughs> so there would have been, you know, more more opportunity to engage in a a larger conversation. I see. So sorry about that. I um. Oh no, it's no problem. I. Uh-huh. I um. Often will overlook. Well, yeah, those those details. So um. So I was just I just was using yeah I'm just looking at the email again and I'm like ah oh yeah it does say eight to nine thirty um but uh, for some reason like the nine thirty stuck out on for me um the so tomorrow I I teach in Victoria so that's probably not gonna work um mm-hmm. but Wednesday next will Wednesday work. can work for you. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, why don't you join us next Wednesday because it's going to, you know, it's just a lot of fun when, you know, there are more people in the studio besides just me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think you might enjoy it more, um, the conversation that is. Great. Okay. Yeah, so All right, is, so, so next Wednesday. Go? Are you still on the show right now? Yeah, yeah, we're on air. What I was playing an interview, um, a pre-recorded interview with Dred Scott, and then I saw you in the studio. I was like, oh, I think somebody's joining me. Let me stop the interview. Okay. Yeah, so that yeah, so we're we're yeah, people are hearing us talk live, but I just wanted I just oh. wanted to acknowledge that you were here. Um because like, oh, this is another guest. And and I because I don't okay. know the numbers by heart. Yeah, cuz I had I did have you, you know, as as a guest today. Um, you know, in the schedule. But uh anyway, it's no problem. Yeah, yeah so next so week I saw I saw the um I should have like checked the because I was just waiting for 9.30, but uh, uh-huh. so sorry. I, um, no problem, no problem. <laughs> it's perfectly mm-hmm. fine. So um, so next week I will look forward to, to talking to you. Great. <laughs> All right. You take you good care. Bye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, peace Bye. left. Bye-bye. So we're going to uh, continue with this interview with Dred Scott which was really awesome. Oh, hi. How are you? Hi. hi. I'm well. How about you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I was just getting ready to check you. Are you ready? <laughs> I is ready. Super, it's super. Good for you? Oh, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I um, um, 
came home, and so it just gave me more opportunity to read some more about about you and to watch your videos on your website and to uh, look up Dred Scott, um, you know, the historic um, ancestor. Yeah. <laughs> and and learn that you are you are also from um you're from Chicago or from Illinois? Yeah, no, I grew up in Chicago, yeah. Yeah. Right, right. And I was just looking, you know, noticing that um Dred Scott, uh, the historic figure, he lived in Illinois and I was wondering was there any connection between your taking that name? Uh no, the 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 connection was just that, that you know, I I wanted a name to remind people and have people think about um, sort of America and, and, and the, the real history of this country and the present-day reality. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, my parents named me Scott, and, and at the time, you know, I had dreads, and all the dreads I knew were like Jimmy Dredd or Steve Dredd, and I'm like, wait, I'll be Dred Scott. That'll be perfect. And anybody ah. they'll have to know about, the, you know, they'll have to think back that a, there's no rights that a black person has that a white man is bound to respect. Right, exactly, exactly. And 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 I just love your, you know, your statement about, you know, revolutionary art to propel history forward. And and I was just thinking about um, you know, the Sankofa concept, you know, of going back to fetch it and it's almost as if um, you know, you are um sort of uh uh I guess taking the Sankofa um concept and moving it forward. So in both directions at the same yeah. time. Well, I, I like that Sankofa connection. I hadn't actually thought about that. Where, where the statement comes from is I I, um, I was actually reading a, a, a work by Bowser Dunn. Um, he wrote uh, or gave a, a, a series of talks at, at the Yanan Forum on Literature and Art, which then got published. And he, ta- he talked about the, the real task of workers to – sort of know people and know people well, but their their job is to help the masses of people propel history forward, um, you know, with, with their art. And I thought that was actually, I mean, it was a much longer, uh, you know, an essay, but I thought that actually was the essence of it. And I thought that was really true in what I was trying to do. And I'm like, okay, that, that, that actually fits. We do need to propel history forward there. And right now, you know, the, the world needs to be radically changed and we need, you know, millions and millions of people to do it. And, Mm-hmm. If my art can contribute to that, I'm, I'm, my, my job is done. Right, right, yeah. Um, who is the, uh, who is the writer that you were telling me? I, I didn't catch. Oh. Mao Zedong, the, the leader of the oh, uh, Mao Chinese Zedong. Revolution. Oh, Mao Zedong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's really great. Oh, wow. Nice, nice. I was thinking about um, um, what is it, Robert F. Williams. And you know, ah, well, she's pretty badass. <laughs> Even if that, that'd be great. Well, you know, because Robert F. Williams, you know, when he was, um, you know, when this government was pursuing him, uh, similar to the way that this government is pursuing Asada Shakur and yeah. and and M. C. Pete O'Neill in Tanzania, um, and and right. other other revolutionaries, you know, that are on the, you know, that can't come home, you know, he, yeah. you know, China welcomed them. And, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I presume that, you know, I was looking at your work, um, particularly, you know, your, your installations, um, the, uh, the one about the, the juxtaposition of young black men in, in New York and, and the ones in Liverpool and, yeah. and the whole idea that, you know, that they, the police 
chiefs were consulting with one another and like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking about Hank Willis Thomas and Bayate Ross Smith and Kamal Sinclair and um and Chris Johnson's Question Bridge Black Males. Um yeah. And, yeah. Okay. And and I, I think Hank lives in does he live in D C or Washington or or um no, or New York? Really. Hank lives in New York, yeah. Okay, uh, okay. Yeah, so you all know each other. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool, and, cool. And it's like all black artists know each other. <laughs> it's not oh. completely true, but I, you know, we've, with pretty rare exception, we've all met at one point, and and mm-hmm. has, you know, given the kind of work he does, and with Bayate, I mean, it's you know, we're, we're friends. I mean, we don't hang out all the time, but I was actually just texting with Hank earlier today. Oh, and, uh, wow! Bayate is is yeah. actually really, really smart. And Question Bridge was, I mean, it's just a really wonderful project. I mean, it's mm-hmm. that. You know, and it's it's really you know been able to tour and got a lot of people to to think about you know mm-hmm. think about black men, which is good. Right, yeah, and your work is just wow. I just love your printmaking. Oh, that is just so phenomenal. It's really awesome. Yeah, all of your different mediums is just like wow, and yeah, it's just just really really great. And then this, you know, the current work, um, you know, the. Slave Rebellion reenactment. I'm like, I'm so excited about that. Oh my goodness. Tell me about I'm, it. I'm a, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm excited about it too. It's, I've been working on it for a long time, but it's sort of coming together. It's a community engaged project that mm-hmm. is going to, to reenact the largest rebellion of enslaved people in the history of the United States. Um, yeah. That rebellion happened in 1811, which you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and it happened outside of New Orleans. And the thing that, you know, is really inspiring to me about this was this rebellion actually was both had a chance of success and it was aiming to seize all of Orleans territory which is modern day Louisiana and set up an African republic you know that would be a sanctuary for Africans and people of African descent where you know slavery would be outlawed and abolished and would not be the the foundation of the economy and so that is a really radical vision of freedom in fact the most radical vision of freedom in the United States at the time and it was in the heads of the enslaved and so that um, was something that I really wanted to reenact, and and also since the history is so buried that you know, you mm-hmm. know many people know a little bit, say about Nat Turner, or maybe you've heard of Denmark Vesey or Gabriel Prosser or Stono Rebellion or something. But this rebellion, which you know was the largest, and it could have really changed U.S. and world history, mm-hmm. it isn't so well known, and so it, it would be important to sort of honor sort of these you know radical visionary leaders who put everything on the line to to remake the world and mm-hmm. um so we're going to reenact that with uh, hundreds of people in period costumes with machetes and muskets and sickles and sabers and um, horses right from, <laughs> and horses yeah we're gonna have 20 horses and mm-hmm. flags flying and african drumming you know baba luther's going to be leading the drum corps of, of mm-hmm. traditional african drumming and people will be singing and chanting to it we're hoping to have um a song that um was actually sung during the Haitian Revolution. Oh, um, nice. It's sort of it's a, a Creole song that we're hoping to get uh, uh, Bruce Sunpai, uh, I forget Sunpai's last name, but he and Luther were going to sort of collaborate and make some music mm-hmm. so that people could learn to sing this fighting song. And, and um, 
And so it would be, you know, it will, and, you know, like in some of the rehearsals, like uh, some people have been like taking rocks and banging the machetes on them in time to Luther's drumming. Mm-hmm. And so it really feels, I mean, Luther says this sounds like war. And that's kind of the, the effect. I mean, so there's going to be this beautiful sort of black people marching with machetes and muskets through, mm-hmm. you know, Laplace and Kenner and, and Destrehan and New um, Sarpy and, and, you know, all these towns and, uh, in the river parishes, and, and I think for you know some people would be like, oh wow, the you know the the army of the enslaved is here to liberate us, let's go. You know we're going to be saying <laughs> on to New Orleans, mm-hmm. freedom or death. We're going to enslave, rejoin us. And I think for a lot of people that would be really inspiring. And for other people, like whoa, wait, black people with with machetes, <laughs> they're coming to to go to New Orleans. <laughs> I'm not so sure about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but it, it, it's really a, a project in which this clash between the the past and the present um you know this sort of again this like black army of the enslaved in Mm -hmm. these outdated clothing with outdated weapons set against modern day uh exurban new orleans you know grain elevators and oil refineries and Mm -hmm. and you know domino's pizza and and trailer parks and gated communities that's a place where people will be like what the hell am i looking at and in that moment they can actually rethink a lot of long-held assumptions Mm mm-hmm yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna really be phenomenal, and and so it's gonna be filmed, right? Yeah, there's a a filmmaker named John Acampra, and his work shows in galleries and museums. It's not gonna be something you'll see on Netflix or in a movie theater, um, but it'll be more like in you know the the you know Contemporary Art Center in in New Orleans or the Whitney Museum or the African American okay. Museum in mm-hmm. in L. A. or something like that. So they sh- his work shows in museums, and it's often will have you know it's a multi-channel work, so there'll be you know three or four screens going simultaneously in a complicated mm-hmm. audio mix that will move around. They're very high depth. These shoots in very high definition, and mm-hmm. and they're just beautiful films. And so they're they're non-linear, so the audience it's it's sort of like looking at a painting. The audience is going to have mm-hmm. to bring something to it. It's not going to be just A happens, B happens, C happens, but it's you know what is an imagery you know sort of footage of. Um, sort of uh, this army, you know, sort of walking down river next to maybe imagery of, uh, you know, 1930s film of an oil refinery being built next to somebody talking about why they've decided to participate in this reenactment. I mean, so it's it's these things weaving in and out of time and and, and space, you know, is, is a way that, that people can, can really kind of meditate on and think about, you know, why this history of freedom and emancipation is important to remember. Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Um, so, how did you how did you come to know about about this um, uh, this large, you know, slave rebellion? Because uh, I think I heard about it from um, Malik Rahim, who is um, co-founder of Common Ground. Um, but that was, yeah, and and he 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 spoke about about you know wanting to sort of revive that energy, you know. Um, and I just think it's so exciting because I know they have um, lynching reenactments. I just saw this film, uh, Always in Season, which uh, was, was screened there in um, in New Orleans at the, a film festival. And it's, it's opening here uh, in San Francisco at the Roxy. And, um, you know, important film, you know, about, about how lynching is still happening, you know, to our people. But within the film, I didn't know that there were lynching reenactments. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like, I don't yeah. want to do that. But I, yeah. and so, you know, so the juxtaposing, you know, reliving the sorrow and the pain as opposed yeah. to 
celebrating and reliving the the victory, even if it didn't happen, you know, it just the idea of, hey, I am not doing this. I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to liberate myself. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm all for people learning about the gruesomeness of American history, and, and mm-hmm. people should know because it is – it's a brutal history, and you know yeah. it's a country that was founded on slavery and genocide. And so, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, for people to look back and squarely confront lynching, or 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 you know other forms of enslavement, I'm all for people learning about that because there's frankly too much ignorance about that. Mm-hmm. But this is really different. I I mean, uh, you know, we're we're not. This is not a project about slavery. This is a project about freedom and emancipation. These are people who have. You know, we're embodying people who had a mission to liberate themselves, and even if they weren't successful in seizing all of Orleans territory, for at least two or three days they were free. If you mm-hmm. take up an, uh, an axe against an enslaver and strike them down, you are free until yeah. you get caught. Mm-hmm. Um, and even once you get caught, you're still free. You know, they they you know they can kill you, but <laughs> you're you're free. And so. Um, you know, th- these are freedom fighters that we're embodying, and people. I mean, sometimes people have said, "Look, well, why do you want to play slaves?" It's like I don't want to play no slave. I ain't playing a slave. That's not what we are. We're people who stepped off the plantation with a, a passion in our heart and a fire in our eyes mm-hmm. to try and create a situation where neither we nor anybody we loved or anybody in the future would be enslaved, and that's righteous. And and so, you know, there's a real difference between that and you know these lynching reenactments, which you know I. I don't want to judge what they are, but this is not that. Mhm. Yeah. No, no it isn't. And um and I don't I don't think I've ever heard of a um a slave rebellion reenactment. I know they have like the Civil War reenactments, um you yeah. know, um the Confederacy, they they like love I mean, I know they have done <laughs> a lot of these historic places. <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah. uh yeah, you know, like it's really great that um, you know, some of the, the buildings are still in existence in, in the area where we're going to be gathering and then marching because um, a lot of times these um, these historic landmarks were, um, uh, you know, were were destroyed. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I mean, on the, the you know, side of the river that we're on, there are actually not that many plantations. There are a couple of them. Um, in the, you know, but, you know, there's Destrahan, which, I mean, it's just a, a horrible place. Um, and there's Ormond. Um, mm-hmm. but, it, I mean, those are the only two that will really pass. Um, and then, because most of them are on the, the West Bank. And, and, and then there's one that's further upriver in reserve, like uh, San Francisco, which, but they're just, I mean, those are sites of genocide. And so it is good to be able to pass by them, but it's, um, and I, I think at Destran they're actually going to have some like gala or something happening right as we pass it. So that'll be an interesting kind of uh, interesting sight for them to see. You know, as they're celebrating slavery versus celebrating the the, the overthrow of slavery. <laughs> and um, so we'll, we'll, that'll it'll be interesting to see the response from from their gala people. Um, There's but, no good uh, gala. Seriously, there's going to be a gala, really? I think so. That's they. I. I mean, I. I know that it was. You know, when we were getting the permits, it was 
sort of an issue of whether the two things could happen happen simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And my response was, y'all can change your date, but this is our date, and we're not. You guys are continuing to profit off slavery, so mm-hmm. we are not going to bow down to that. I mean, it's, I couldn't tell them that, but that that my, you know, when they were like, well, you know, we, we're not sure we can su- support both. It's like that is a, a site of genocide that you celebrate weddings in. I am not going to not do this because of they they want to raise some money that day. Um, but we we shall we shall see what happens. Oh, wow, that should be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering if um, um, I don't know how long you've been planning this, and I was wondering if if the setting, um, like for instance, that is happening, you know, um, early November, you know, before Veterans Day, it's happening during the 400 years of return. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's also happening um, um, on the um, 400 Years of African American History Act, um, you know, post August 25th, which was the National Day of Healing. And mm-hmm. and we, you know, we rang the bells uh, one minute for each 400 years um, at a, a Fort Monroe a National Monument um, in uh, where Point Comfort is in Virginia, in Hampton, Virginia. So I was just wondering, sort of, with all this, you know, this historic stuff swirling in 2019, the reason why it's happening this year and at that particular that particular date. No, um, I mean, the, the, the date was because we wanted to pick a time when it was not too warm, not too cold, didn't have um, you know, and, and was not clashing with Mardi Gras or something like that. I mean, it's like if we'd done it on January, you know, 8th to 11th, it, it, it potentially could be 25 degrees and it would be too cold to do it. Okay. Um, and so we moved off that day. And it, it is also not sort of like a traditional, you know, it, it, it's, an, it's a community-engaged art project. It's not a traditional reenactment. And so when we decided that we didn't have to do it on the day that gave – a little bit of freedom, and then we, we actually wanted to do it last year. I mean, I was oh. we were, I've been working on this for about six years, mm-hmm. and we just didn't have the funding and couldn't get the permits together in time to do it last year. So we decided to make sure we could do it right and do it with the the you know the the, the strength and vision that it needs to have. Um, and uh, um, you know that meant we're doing it this year, which you know turns out to be a, a good time. I mean, it, you know, mm-hmm. you mentioned the you know, the, the 400 years and, and, and even, frankly, the conversation about race and racism in the United States has only become even a more fever pitch mm-hmm. um, right now. So, um, you know, the project would have been good three years ago. It will be good now. It will be good in five years. I, I just don't see somehow that, a you know, in the, in the next week and a half, America is suddenly going to give up white supremacy and, and, and mm-hmm. come correct. That's, that ain't going to happen in, in – in nine days, ten days, or in ten years, or in a hundred years, I think as long as America is America, it's going to be, you know, people will be catching hell, in particular black folk. Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah. I want to ask you, could you spell the name of the um, of the cinematographer that's going to be um, uh, filming? Yeah, uh, John J O H N Acampra, A K O M F R A H. He's a he was born in Ghana, but he, he grew oh. up in, in London. I know his name. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Wow. Nice. Nice. Have you all worked before together? No, we haven't. I mean, we we 
that in, I think, 2003 or 2004. And when I met him, I was like, oh, my God, I'm meeting John Atomper. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm meeting Dred Scott. And, you know, I mean, at the time, he wasn't so famous. I mean, now he's a really big deal filmmaker in the in the fine art world. Mm-hmm. But back then, he was, a, a, you know, a, he had tremendous critical play, praise and a cult following. And I was I was one of his cult members. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, he, you know, he was a little surprised that somebody really appreciated what he, he was doing. And I was in sort of a similar boat. But, you know, I, I had some people who really was into what I was doing, but I wouldn't have thought that somebody in London would really know that I existed. And he was like, no, no, I know my work. And so we've, you know, been friends, not, you know, we don't hang out much since we're separated by an ocean, but we've been friends since then. And mm-hmm. and this is just the first chance we've had to be able to work together. Oh, that is really awesome. Yeah. Well, I know I was reading, um, you know, on the website about um, the, you know, slave rebellion reenactment that, you know, there's like, um, uh, there's, there's like curriculum. I mean, you've done a whole lot of research to be able to, um, you know, to think, I guess to be, able to do the thinking and the creation around around the actual um reenactment and i was wondering um um if you could talk a little bit about um charles uh is it desalons desalons or delons delons yeah um so i've done a, a fair amount of research this is a research based project and and there's also a team of people i mean a lot of the research has also been done by uh, shana griffin who's uh a really amazing feminist, radical artist, activist, black feminist uh, down here who's uh, the assistant project coordinator and assistant project manager. And so a lot of the reading list is compiled by her. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as Charles, I mean, the, the thing is there's, you know, I'm an artist. I'm not a historian. I work with historians. I read history, but I'm not a historian. And there are, there's actually a fair amount of mystery associated with him. And one of the key historians, Leon Waters, who mm-hmm. – is sort of the reason anybody knows of this history in in the 21st century, because I mean, he had personal family history when he was a, a little boy, like 10 years old. He had a much older cousin uh, who was like 80 at the time, and she told him that um, uh, you know his his ancestors fought against slavery, and, and he thought that was really interesting. But you know, you know, what do you do with that when you're a 10 year old boy? And when he got older, he and some comrades you know, decided to become a revolutionary, and they decided to research it. And so they did the primary research, which was published in a book, On to New Orleans, mm-hmm. um, in 1996, and that's really the foundational history. But there are other historians who've done research. There's um, uh, you know, Dr. Ibrahim Asek, who is the director of the Whitney oh, Plantation. right, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and one of the things that's interesting, I mean, Leon and, and um, Albert Thrasher, who did the actual research for the book that Leon published, you know, they are not – in French and a lot of the original archives, you know, there's a French society, and so they're, mm-hmm. they're in French. And, and um, Ibrahim uh, 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 Asek is francophone, and he's from Senegal, right. and so he reads mm-hmm. French. And so he has looked at some of the records because, um, and, and, you know, so one of the questions is, where is Charles from? Mm-hmm. And so Charles, according to, to Dr. Sek, was born in the Islam plantation, and he's got a date, you know, he's got a He's seen a birth certificate, or, you know, a record of, of his birth. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Leon says that according to oral tradition, he was born in Haiti. Mm-hmm. And um, and for me as an artist, you know, I, I think it, it does matter where he comes from. I'm not invested in either one being true. Mm-hmm. But the question of how do, how do you privilege or, or how, do you, how do you know history? A lot of times academics have 
discounted oral history and oral tradition, mm-hmm. and that's a real problem. But there is also, you know, oral historians that don't actually acknowledge, well, okay, we've got this record of this one particular Charles Dillon that's, you know, born here and grew up here at the right age. That's a problem. I, I don't know how to, I mean, I, I don't, I have not taken the time or gone through the work to resolve that. Mm-hmm. But they're both really, you know, they're both important historians and that difference exists. I also know. Um, from a, a reporter that did some research into the area that he believes that the Charles DeLons, who was born um, in New Orleans, uh, was also of mixed race. He was sort of an enslaved woman and an enslaver. Um, you, know, the, she, you know, she was probably raped, and, and, um, and so he was, you know, had some privilege to be able to be sort of a, an overseer in a certain sense. Right. And, 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 but he was sort of, you know, what they call mixed race or mulatto. Um, And again, I've heard these different stories. I'm not a historian. They're all interesting to me, and it's interesting to me that there's this sort of mystery surrounding this sort of person who is, you know, pivotal for this history and could have, you know, had profound implications on on the fate of the world in a certain sense. Um, But, you know, as an artist, the, the point is to take the broad brushstrokes of the story and the kernel is that these were people who were fighting for liberation and to, to develop that. And since I'm not doing, say, a Hollywood screenplay or a, even a stage play where, where character is what's the essence of it, where you then would really need to know, well, where is this person from? Who were his parents? Where was he born? Mm-hmm. If he came from Haiti, was he part of the revolution or did he have friends that were part of the revolution? Where right. did he get his thinking? All those things would be really important if you were doing a movie, but that's not what this is. And so, you know, I, I have freedom to take some liberty with what the history might have been and don't need to resolve those questions. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's just when um when I look at his name, I think about Dessalines. <laughs> uh, well, it would be cool if he was Dessalines because we would have would be in a different world, man. It's like, you know, <laughs> with even some shortcomings and he at times, you know, kind of, Kind of brutal, but he did. Without him, we do not get Haiti. And, right. Uh, you know, yeah. Novatour gets a lot of the credit, but you know, without Dessalines, that revolution would not have been completed. Yeah. Well, you know, we got you know Christophe as well, and um, Pichon. You know, it was, there were four of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, I was just um, I was just wondering, sort of, are are you going to be in? Uh, are you a part of the project? Are you going to be in yeah, costume? I'm, Yes, I will be in costume. I will be walking as far as anybody. I'll be walking 26 miles. I will have a machete in my hand, and I will be saying, "On to New Orleans, freedom or death. We're gonna enslave. They join us." Will, I'll be just one of one of hundreds of reenactors. <laughs> oh, that's so cool! So, do you have the 500 people yet? Uh, we're not we're not at 500. I think we're probably going to be closer to. 350 or 400. I don't know for sure. I mean, it's, it's the, the thing that's interesting is, and, and since you've spent time in New Orleans, you know this is to be the case. A lot of people sort of here don't have patience for bureaucracy. Um, mm-hmm. And so the idea of like filling out an online form, it's like, is, is not something which everybody's into. And in fact, Luther, who's, you know, I've been talking with this project about probably three years now. Uh-huh. And and I, I knew he was definitely going to participate. He was an organizer board. He was talking about other people to participate. Um, <laughs> but I couldn't get him to fill out the online form. And he's like, well, I got to do that. It's like, dude, if you don't do that, we ain't going to be able to get you a costume. We ain't going to be able to pay you. We ain't going to be able to, to you know send you emails to tell you where to show up. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, I mean, and so, so I know that there are people that are planning on being part of this that don't have a costume yet because they haven't filled out the form. Um, <laughs> and so I don't, I honestly don't know how many people are going to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, we're working to, to get everybody registered, to get them the information to know what bus they got to get on, where the bus is leaving from, mm-hmm. where they're, you know, when they're jumping off. But, uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, we, and, and if, so if you know other people, including people that live down here, mm-hmm. that you think should participate and they, they're at 18 years old and can walk at least, you know, can walk uh, 26 miles in two days or at least a good por- portion of that, mm-hmm. tell them to, to get signed up. Now's the time. We've got to get them in this week so they can have a costume. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was looking at the designs um from your um uh uh from the designer and it's just like and there's a video, I mean it's like you can make it yourself but it's like it's just really neat. I mean, down to how to make, you know, the color right, you know, because you know, these these are enslaved people, which means, you know, it's got the fabric's gotta look a certain way. Um, to to look authentic, it's just really well thought out. All of these different aspects of of the um, reenactment. How many how many people are on your team? Um, it, I mean, it's a big team. I mean, and, and what what is the team? I mean, it's like I can, in a certain sense, all the reenactors are part of the team, so it's, it's mm-hmm. really big. But the people that are in the core, yeah. you know, Allison Parker is the lead costume designer, but she's got a team that's working with her, including many seamstresses and and whole sewing circles. I mean, there's been probably over a hundred people that have contributed to making costumes. I think, nice. you know, Allison's the the main costume designer, and she's got a couple sort of key seamstresses that she's worked with a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Bob Steed, who's the director of Antenna, which is the project, that, the, you know, the arts organization that's sponsoring this. Mm-hmm. There is uh, Dorothy Ray and Shana Griffin, who are, t- I mean, are uh, two people at Antenna, as well as Ifatumaninu, uh, who's doing a lot of the the outreach um, and and sort of overseeing some of the recruitment. There's Kaya Livers, um, who is uh, doing the community outreach and coordination. There's Ernest Johnson. Who's also doing a lot of the, the community outreach and, and um, there's John Acompra and his team. He's got a bunch of people working with him. Um, there is a, 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 a locations manager, uh, Peter Wilson, but then there's a property manager, an assistant director, um, a uh, armorer, a, a battle, you know, a, a battle uh, uh, choreographer. Um, mm-hmm. A um, uh, 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 the Buffalo Soldiers and Crescent City Cowboys and Dirty South Riders, but are, are all part of this. They're the Horse Riders, but then uh, Cherry Jackson from the Buffalo Soldiers has sort of coordinated all of that. I mean, there's Luther, you know, who's organizing the drummers, but there's a core of drummers. So there's, you know, probably, and then you know, the project manager Jennifer Crook. So there's probably about a, a core of about, you know. 16 or 17 people that are mm-hmm. kind of really working on this, talking, you know, sort of, well, now almost every day, but in some capacity. But then there's there all the reenactors and and funders and, and seamstresses and, uh, you know, civic leaders. I mean, you know, we, uh, like, you know, Pastor August at Rising Star Baptist Church, which is in uh, Laplace, has been a real big supporter. There's, uh, we were just talking with, um, uh, 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 Rita Paralu and Stephen Paralu, who run the the God, I forget the, the, the there's a historic black church in Reserve, and they're sort of we're, we're doing some of the rehearsals up there. There's you know, people at Second Line Stages have been helpful. I mean, there's a you know there's like a core of like 16, 17 people, but there's you know very there's many other people that are you know this project wouldn't happen without. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what happens? <clears throat> um, you know, like, gosh, is this perhaps the biggest um, art um, event that you've ever staged? So right, yeah, it's by far and away the biggest I've ever done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's <laughs> a couple artists who've done bigger, but but yeah, this is the biggest I've done for, mm-hmm. for, by, a, by a country mile. Right. Yeah. So what happens after this? I get a drink. I get to relax a little bit, and then I go <laughs> to the next project. Okay. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's like you know, I've still got air in my lungs. I'm going to be making art and trying to change the world, and so mm-hmm. you know, I've got. Um, I'm working on a photo-based project called Black Is, which are hmm. portraits. They're just like a big, like really large, like 45 inches by 30 inches portraits, mm-hmm. headshots of mm-hmm. black people, you know, mm-hmm. of different, you know, ages, different genders, different well-known and not well-known, different wealth, different skin tones. But they're just these beautiful, beautiful portraits of all sorts of black folk um, that I'm going to be doing. And, and that's a project that gets made at 125th of a second as opposed to a six-year pace. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to working a little bit quicker in the future. Probably, probably I'll, I mean, I've, I've started it a little bit, but I'll be doing that um, in more earnest, probably starting in January. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Well, maybe I can uh, come out to New York and see that. Black is. Okay. Yeah, that sounds really awesome. Wow. Well, well, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. And um, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to to make sure that I, I let people know? Uh, that they should know about the website. They should go to slave-revolt.com. And, um, you know, it's like it, that will be good after the fact, but also mm-hmm. if, if it's before the fact, if you if this gets out in ways that people could see it beforehand, they should come either see it if they're in the area or participate if they're in the area. You know, they, this is it's going to be an amazing, powerful experience. And, and, you know, it should be, if you can be part of it, if you're black or indigenous, you should be part of this if you at all can. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't, you should come watch it because you know nobody's ever seen anything like this before, and and perhaps won't see anything like this for a long time afterwards. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thinking, you know, it's, it's definitely for the ancestors, and uh, you know, it's oh, really, yeah. really a wonderful, like you know, sort of visceral way to to honor them. Yeah. And yeah. honor freedom, you know. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we end at Gahungo Square, and I guess the community can come out and celebrate yeah. with us. They can. I mean, we're going to, you know, start at the old U.S. Mint or, or, or you know, Jazz and Heritage Museum and walk through the quarter and end up in Congo Square. So if people want to see us, you know, in full march, uh, they can, you know, see us in the quarter. But, um, you know, then they could come in Congo Square, and we will sort of call out the names of people who, you know, participated in this rebellion and, and then we can, you know, have a, a a party that's a cultural celebration of of uh, you know all the all the forms of music that exist because of Congo Square and the Africans who were in it in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any ancestry um, uh, in in uh, in Louisiana or Mississippi or? Um, uh, Mississippi. My my on my mom's. I mean, I don't know my dad's side of the family beyond basic. I mean, I know. I mean, what I knew about my dad is they were in Minnesota, and I know he was born in Detroit, but I don't know anything beyond that. My mom's side of the family, my my grandfather on my mom's father was born in a small ass town called Edwards, Mississippi, which is a, about the size of a, you know just a house. I mean, I think there were like when he was there about a couple thousand people, so it's a small town. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then we had and my mom's mom, um, her people are from from Alabama. Oh. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, you know, all black folk have roots in the South, and then, and that's, you know, those Mississippi and Alabama. Right, yeah. But they, mm-hmm. but they, they ended up in Chicago. Um, you know, my mom's parents, they, they each ended up in Chicago, and that's more what I know, but it, it, it definitely goes to the South. And I, I on my mom's, my mom's, my mom's mother's father's wife, we can trace into slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know my, my mom's father's, I know, I know his grandfather, but I don't know. Um, I don't know back beyond that. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I look forward to meeting you and seeing the other yeah. participants um, next week. I'm so excited. Got my ticket last night. Good deal. Flying in on Wednesday. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be really fun. Uh, you know, sort of yeah, singing those freedom songs and marching. That's going to be hot. That's yeah. going to be so wonderful. It'll be, it'll be great. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you for the interview, and I look forward to meeting you in about a week. Yeah. All right, sure. You take good care. Take, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.